0: Hi, welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Shaffer. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation and host of this podcast, offering you summaries of the weekly Torah portion. This week we'll be taking a close look at Parsha Miketz, which loosely translates as, at the conclusion. This Parsha makes progress in our story, placing Yosef at the political epicenter of the then civilized world bring and finally bringing his brothers back to him it is in this parsha that we see a number of the dreams that have come beforehand be it pharaoh's dreams or yosef's dreams we see them come true and we experience yosef both as a skilled political operator and someone who is deeply emotional mccades has 146 verses it fills 255 lines in the Torah Skull, is the tenth Parsha in the Torah, and here is Mikates in seven parts. Part one Pharaoh's Nightmares Two years after the butler is exonerated and returns to the palace, the Pharaoh the king of Egypt begins to experience disturbing dreams, nightmares. The first dream of the pharaoh is a vision of him standing on the banks of the Nile, or really, if you read the verse closely, he's standing on the Nile itself. And from the river comes out seven attractive cows, seven healthy cows. And then following That miraculous event, seven other cows, ugly and Gaunt, also rise out of the river and consume the attractive cows. After waking up from this dream, the pharaoh rolls over and goes back to sleep and has another nightmare, another dream. In this dream, he sees seven healthy ears of grain, followed by seven thin and unhealthy ears. The unhealthy ears then consume the healthy grain. And again, the pharaoh wakes up, seemingly relieved that it was just a dream. Though, the pharaoh cannot ignore the intensity of the vision he saw. He was disturbed by these nightmares. And he was dissatisfied by any interpretation any of his servants offered. The butler... The butler now recalls, just a few years earlier, there was a Hebrew slave by the name of Yosef, in prison, who was skilled at interpreting dreams. He suggests to the pharaoh that perhaps Yosef should be the one who can interpret his nightmares, and word is sent to the prison, to the jail, for Yosef to come. Yosef bathes and shaves and prepares for an audience with the king of Egypt. And so ends part one. Part two, killing two dreams with one stone. The Pharaoh expresses hope that Yosef can indeed, indeed interpret his dreams, to which Yosef responds that he will be able to do so if God permits him. The pharaoh proceeds in sharing the details of the dream. Notice that in verse 41.17, the pharaoh places himself on the banks of the Nile, adjusting some of the details of what he saw. The pharaoh offers an observation on the dream. He says it was very strange how the skinny cows did not become fat after they consumed the fat cows. The pharaoh now shares with Yosef his second dream expressing remorse that none of his advisors can offer him any insight. Yosef explains that these two dreams really have one interpretation. They refer to the economic fragility of the future of the country. Yosef also offers a solution to ensuring economic stability in the years ahead. Everyone was thoroughly impressed with the insight and advice offered by Yosef. And he won favor in the eyes of the pharaoh and his advisors. And so ends part two. Part three. From prisoner to prime minister. The pharaoh recognizes the wisdom, humility, and insight of Yosef. And places him in charge of the most influential and wealthy country in the world at the time. The pharaoh dresses Yosef with fine garments, gives him his signet ring and parades him through all of Egypt. Yosef was 33 years old when placed in charge of this important land. This critical project. For seven years, the land produced plenty and all the grain was gathered in the storehouses as Yosef had suggested, as Yosef directed. The Pharaoh gives Yosef a wife and they have two children named Menashe and Ephraim. Rashi, chapter 41, verse 50, points out that Yosef had both of these children before the years of famine arrived. To teach us that one must be careful about one's expenses. One must be careful about planning during hard times. It would have been inappropriate for Yosef to have children during the years of famine. And so ends part three. Part four. The times they are a-changing. The seven years of plenty The seven years of goodness come to an end and famine strikes the world, strikes Egypt. But Egypt is prepared for these difficult years. Yaakov hears that there are resources available in Egypt and instructs 10 of his 11 surviving sons to go get food, leaving Binyamin at home. Yosef, Yosef recognizes these ten men as his brothers, but maintains his anonymity as he inquires into their needs. Yosef remembers his dreams as a youth and accuses his brothers of being spies. The brothers describe that they are from the same family with a younger brother at home and they sincerely require rations to survive. Yosef tells them, that to prove that they are not spies, they need to bring their younger brother to Egypt. And he incarcerates the brothers for three days. And so ends part four. Part five The Jailhouse Blues. Yosef insists that one brother should remain as a prisoner while the others return. And the brothers privately reflect that this treatment must be a product of their actions towards their other brother, Yosef, decades earlier. It is quite remarkable that they're still thinking about it. Yosef binds Shimon in chains and orders them to return home to collect their youngest brother, Benjamin. He sends them home with grains and supplies that they requested, even though he questions their motives while he also returns their money, leaving it in their bags for them to find later. Yaakov has no interest in sending Binyamin to Egypt, and Reuven makes the case, makes an unusual offer, to care for Binyamin's well-being in exchange for his own two sons. If something happens to Binyamin, Yaakov can kill his own two sons. That offer is ignored. As chapter 43 begins, the famine turns for the worse and the brothers must go down to Egypt. Yehuda approaches Yaakov to make a similar request as Reuven, to which Yaakov eventually agrees. The party leaves for Egypt with supplies and gifts and a prayer for the well-being of this critical expedition. And so ends part 5. Part 6 Brothers in Arms When Yosef sees Binyamin arrive at the palace, he instructs his servants to prepare for them a feast and invites his brothers, including Binyamin, into a comfortable private space. The brothers are highly skeptical about Yosef's intentions and they confess that they had found earlier payments in their bag that they intended to leave in Egypt, they approach Yosef's servant, begging for mercy. The servant of Yosef reunites the brothers with Shimon and reassures them all that they need not be concerned. At the feast, the brothers present Yosef with gifts and he inquires after the well-being of their father. And he also asks after Binyamin, seeking a formal introduction. And so ends part six. Part seven. When they were up, they were up. When they were down, they were certainly down. Yosef is overwhelmed by emotion and leaves the presence of his brothers to weep. Quite a startling admission on his part. Yosef seats them in age order surprising the brothers and they were served dinner with Binyamin receiving a lot more than anyone else. Again they are baffled, they are confused by Yosef's insight. As the brothers prepare to leave, Yosef instructs his servants to place a silver goblet in the, in the sack of Binyamin. After they had left, Yosef sent guards after them to accuse Binyamin of theft The brothers return to the city and Yehuda steps forward to intervene upon their behalf. Yosef accuses the brothers of thievery and naivete, and Yehuda begins to defend their innocence, and so ends in a claffing cliffhanger, Parshat Mikates. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Parsha on a Pod, our review of Parsha Mikates. Miketz. My name is Yechiel Shaffer. I am the host of this podcast. If you enjoyed it, if you found it helpful, a good resource in preparing for Shabbat, preparing for the Parsha, please feel free to share it with your friends and make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. One final thought on the Parsha. number of times in the Parsha, there are characters who are not identified by name, but rather by the terminology "ish," loosely translated as a person, as a man. This is a familiar. This is familiar to us from the last two parshiot. Also, identifying anonymous characters with this terminology "ish," v'yivate Yaakov Levada v'yayavik ish imo. There was an ish that struggled with Yaakov. There was an ish that directed Yosef. There are. There is an ish in this week's parsha as well when we transform our stories in the Torah from brilliant individuals, from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, to a narrative involving a group of people, the Torah reassures us that it isn't a name that defines a contribution, it isn't celebrity that is meaningful in the Torah, but rather being someone who takes responsibility, who acts with integrity, is what is, what is important. As our sages tell us, But makom sha'in ish, in a place where there is no leader, strive to be one. Wishing everyone good health, good happiness. Shabbat shalom. This has been Parsha on a pod. Parsha Nikates.